0: Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf.
1: Innovative leaders driving thriving organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create sustainable business and strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the US and Germany. Welcome to Cynthia Cherry, who is the President and CEO of the International Leadership Association. We are broadcasting live from Brussels at the annual leadership conference.
2: Thank you, Maureen, for being here with us here in Brussels. I'm so excited about the series of keynote speakers that we are able to present and that will give a timeless message around our topic and theme of leadership in turbulent times. And I'm very pleased with our conference chair, Jort Volkers, from Deloitte University, the dean of Deloitte University, and his team who helped us along with the ILA. Staff to present this global conference in Brussels, Belgium, in 2017.
1: Welcome to the final show at the International Leadership Association conference. We are incredibly fortunate to have the keynote speaker, Joran van der Veer. He was named the CEO of what is now Royal Dutch Shell in 2004 amid a corporate fraud scandal. He quickly applied his signature leadership style of steady pragmatic leadership to right the ship, simplify the organization's corporate structure, putting governance procedures into place to safeguard against future indiscretions, and introducing innovations in Shell's internal and external communication. Known for his listening skills and for being a people-oriented leader, he describes his leadership style as getting people on the path from A to B and setting up milestones and accountability along the way. He is fascinating as he will describe his experiences that he shared in the keynote speech and talk in much more detail about how to deal with the challenges that we are currently facing in many of our corporate organizations, stay tuned for Joran Vanderveer, and thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you so much yeah. for doing a keynote at the ILA and for agreeing to interview. So let's start with what is the essence of your leadership?
3: High clarity. Keep it very simple and concentrate you on this simple and clear communications.
1: so in your conversation you went into a lot of detail about what that actually means in practice, because it sounds easy and yet you took over Shell at a very difficult time and my guess is it wasn't easy in any way.
3: In the end, a leader should tell where to go, I call that point B. You have to be honest on point A, where we are now, and then you have to take the people on the journey. That is the process, okay. but that sounds very academic. So in practice you have to be uh, in a much more appealing way to say, this is how we should be and then you have one or two liners that people think, "Ooh, yeah, I feel at home with that. And then of course you have to convince them and where they have to go there and that is to say where we are today is not good enough. And then they like to know, okay, what can I do to help there? So you have to give them directions as well. And all the time, keep it very simple, keep it very short. No PowerPoint presentations. It should be elevator speeches. And the best you can reach or achieve as a leader, when a person comes home tonight and they said, well, did the boss say today? Your partner is asking that. If you then say exactly the same one line as the boss said in the morning, then you are in a long way.
1: So you gave the example of taking your strategy to just a few words. <clears throat> and so can you talk a little bit more about that? So I've got my point A and I acknowledge where we are and I've listened to my people and, and used my years of experience to determine point B and painted a clear picture of that. And then you talked about strategy.
3: Now I think the, in the end I do realize that the mission of a company is not different from a vision for a company, or the strategy, Mm -hmm. or the purpose of a company. But for all the people in the company to sit one day in a luxury hotel and to to, to discuss that, I I think it's not useful. I think in the end, you have to say to the people, where are we today? That's point A. Where is point B? where is that going mm-hmm. and how can I make that point B where we have to go specific for me What our department or, my, or what I have I? how can I help to do with that and then from time to time you may have somewhere a publication in the company where they deal with all this purpose stuff as I call it uh, so, so keep it very simple because in the end huh, strategy mission and purpose they are not that different it is a good discipline for some strategic guys to think it through, whether it is all Mm -hmm. consistent, but it is Mm -hmm. not the kind of people process for employees.
1: And then you talked about moving from that big picture that is consistent across the company, the job of middle managers to translating that to what I do as a line person when I show up.
3: When I was young, then you had a presentation from the top person, the CEO, Mm -hmm. and then what the, what the staff did from headquarters, then they sent that out on slides and then every manager uh, with his uh, speaking notes and basically they had to repeat his presentation of the top manager uh, to all the staff down on to the oil rigs or the refinery shop floor. I think that is the wrong way to see middle management like that. In Dutch, we say you use the middle management as, as parrots, like the birds. They mm-hmm. repeat the same line, the parrot repeats the same line, which he was just picking up. So, the role of middle management is, of course, to add value. And what is that? You take this one-liner off the top, which gives a kind of rough idea of the point B for the total company. Then you have to make that specific, what that one-liner makes, mm-hmm. that means... For your own department. And the minus one uh, level does do that, minus two from the top, and so on. So every time they have to make that specific point B uh, very specific to their situation. So they summarize the top guy says this. The boss of my boss said how our total division fits into that. This means for our department that. And that's how I, as a leader from you, and now on the minus three level, mm-hmm. translate that and I take ownership huh, that what we do fits in this total company. So the role of management in the journey from A to B is very important. They have to make the beats very specific. And they should spend 90% of their time on this specific part and only 10% or 5% what the top message was.
1: Because the employees have access to the top message, right? You, you are communicating as the CEO
3: on a regular basis. Yeah, I think as a top leader, you have, of course, to create and to help your middle managers mm-hmm. and to make to be specific. Mm-hmm. But the way you can do that is very easy. You have now emails or even, uh, I, I'm not sure you can do it in 140 letters, uh, the tweets, <laughs> <treat. laughs> But you can write a very short email to all your staff and you say, well, we had our senior management conference and I, I said now, this is the, the, the updated strategy, these are the four key words, this is the one-liner, these are the business fields where we uh, like to play, this is how we can win, this is an email shorter than half a page, otherwise people will not read it. And I have asked all the managers to make it specific for your particular department Mm -hmm. what it means for you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't hear about it, by the way, this is my address and you can respond to me.
1: Actually, you talked about an example where you asked someone if they knew what the point B was and they said, what's a point B? And Mm -hmm. can you share your response to that?
3: Yeah, I think you can use it as a checklist. Mm -hmm. So if you say, my philosophy is you go from A to B plus Mm -hmm. next steps, But of course, point B is then very important. If you are an operational visit and you speak mm-hmm. to a supervisor of an oil rig, and he says, What is the point B for uh, here? And if they look at those eyes that you were sure, what are you talking? Uh, mm-hmm. Not an idea. Then of course the, the vertical top-down process fails. Mm-hmm. So then what you what you can do is you send a very simple email between all the bosses mm-hmm. and that particular supervisor on the oil rig, and Mm -hmm. he said, well, well, I asked this and that and that question, so what was going on here, why didn't it happen? And if you do that a couple of times, I assure you, then very soon the whole company knows, you have always to know your A, you have to know your particular, your specific B, Mm -hmm. and the next steps.
1: So now let's move to, you talked about taking over at a point of crisis. And how did you manage a crisis different than ongoing operations?
3: In the beginning of the crisis, people say, how come which has should roll? They are all busy with the past. Now that is important to get lessons learned. Mm-hmm. But if the whole company is busy how it happened, I don't come out of the crisis. Mm-hmm. So I have to isolate the drivers which we brought the company into a crisis. I have to put a fence around it. So I say, I've asked investigations, we will take lessons learned, if something went wrong, if people did really something wrong, we will take appropriate measures, but that's it. Mm -hmm. But realize our task, and then I have a bond between you and me and I look at you, Mm -hmm. our task is how we come out of this crisis and not wondering about those those hats that have to roll. So how do we build up a good future for you and me then Mm -hmm. in this company? And then you are back to very simple and clear communication. And then you know the rules to come if people, because people may be confused, insecure. So then you have to say, okay, this is the strategy or the plan to come out of the crisis. Everybody can help, even if it didn't happen in your division. We can drop one shoe and maybe it happened somewhere else. But you have to help now to be perfect. Nothing goes Mm -hmm. wrong there. And we need very good performance of your division because we lost money yeah, where the crisis was. And you have to take visible leadership uh-huh. with frequent, simple communication on a predictable way. You should be, as a leader, the person who talks to the press and to the media. Don't leave it to the press office. Not every day, but especially in the beginning of the crisis. And last but not least, make clear that you take ownership but it is not about huh, the crisis. I am here to help the company to come out of crisis. I am not interested in my own salary or whether how it affects my bonus. I don't have any problem if my compensation is lower than my predecessors. Huh? Mm-hmm. I am here to help you, huh, and together we will take the company to the next level. I think that is the, that are some of the essential points. Uh, to bring so to, to come out of a crisis
1: so clearly owning it we made a mistake however one yeah. says that and yeah mm-hmm. owning it directly
3: yeah and brutal honesty okay. and you see sometimes that leaders in a crisis they say well it was not that serious uh, yeah I put a team to it and, it, and then mm-hmm. they took it a mentally at a distance so there's nothing to do with mm-hmm. that uh, don't do it that way and so mm-hmm. you, you can't say well yeah, we, as, as far as I can see now, we made some very bad mistakes. Then you mm-hmm. say we made some very bad bis- mistakes. The second one where brutal honesty is, yeah, how to take the company forward. A mm-hmm. strategy for hope will usually fail. So be realistic. Mm-hmm. Be very Because people will be very critical at that moment. They think, okay, this is a credible plan. Mm-hmm. So don't try to sell illusions or to say, well... You work very hard two months, three months, and then then it is all as yesterday. Be honest about that. A company Mm -hmm. that goes through a serious crisis usually doesn't come out the same. There's no obligation for you to describe how it will be different, Mm -hmm. uh, but don't try to sell illusions.
1: I appreciate the honesty outwardly and inwardly because your employees build or lose trust in you forever based on how you handle that. So as we close, assume you're talking to a room full of thousands of leaders uh, in your companies the, on which you serve their boards and graduate students, so our future generation of leaders. What would you want them to take away from this conversation with
3: you? I think people, when I think about especially the younger generation of managers, and a lot of good things about them. But, Some people are very fascinated with their own CVs or resumes Mm -hmm. in the US. In the end, you have to believe in the system for which you work, and then it is company first, it is not you first building up a good CV, it is put the company first, and if you do well, if you contribute to the good things of the company, Mm -hmm. then as a result, but only as a result, yeah, then you may make a career or a next step. Uh, But don't get the order wrong, that is the first thing. The second thing is, especially for young leaders, think about it, how do I get focus and speed? Usually, uh, people lose it because the mind of the people who has to be led, so say the followers, they were going in too many different directions, Mm -hmm. and then you lose speed. So how do you do that? How do you get this focus? And how do you get enough speed? Because in the end of the day, there were many good other companies out, so you have to be on the right speed vis-a-vis the competition. And at least then, you worked it out for yourself, but my secret was always uh, to to have very high clarity, make even complex things simple. uh, And last but not least, and this is very serious, keep listening. I use just in my speech here, it helps if you have flappy ears, (laughs) then uh, listen all the time. Mm -hmm. But listening at a certain moment, you have to say, okay, I've listened to all of you. I understand Mm -hmm. this may happen, that may happen. Hang on. I happen here to be the leader. That's why we go to that corner.
1: So I want to clarify one thing. I often hear people say, keep it simple. And what they're trying to do is get rid of the complexity. I'm assuming you took in all of the complexity and what came out was understandable for your audience, but not that you boiled out the complexity that exists in the world.
3: Yeah, that's a very good point. You have to listen to the complexity. You have to think as a leader about it. Mm-hmm. You are not a facilitator, so we take the average. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of good leadership, sometimes you have to make... Uh, you have to really... Uh, to make a 90 degrees turn Mm -hmm. and usually that starts with yourself or very few people Uh, so we Mm -hmm. say in the Netherlands you must have the possibility to row on -hmm. the river against the current Mm -hmm. that's very important for the leader because you listen to the complexity and you think if we do more of the same it goes wrong having done all of that and that's your point keep it simple probably then you make it simple and the essential thing why should people prepare to be a corner? Because you have very good one-liners, why it is not acceptable to do more Mm -hmm. of the same, Mm -hmm. and you have a logic why point B is better Mm -hmm. than today. Mm -hmm. So it is to make it simple, and then in the end, if you have it wrong, it helps you. If people can you feedback and to say, sir, you got it wrong. And then then you get the dialogue and so on.
1: So that then reinforces the listening.
3: Yeah, that, absolutely. That you've
1: created an environment that is safe for people yeah. to give you feedback. Yeah, and that in fact you seek that.
3: Yeah, you have to seek that. It is not. It is more an operational visit. You have to make sure uh, that when you write your weekly email, they can answer that. We have a whole, right a whole process for answering all those emails, so so mm-hmm. that people know that it's registered what they say and so on.
1: So you sought continual or periodic. You had a process. Yeah to seek feedback absolutely thank you so much for your time
4: become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
0: Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today.
1: Welcome to segment two, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We are recording from the ILA conference in Brussels, Belgium, and this is Maureen and Cynthia Cherry, and we are wrapping up the conference. So Cynthia, we talked a little bit about the conference theme. Can you give our listeners some background on why leadership in turbulent times? How did that come about?
2: Well, Maureen, thank you for that intro, and it's it's actually quite interesting in terms of as a planning team, Yorit Volkers, our chair of the conference, and a number of others who are on the planning team, we started to talk about where we are presently in society, and there were so many different incidents and events that were occurring that as we talked about it, you know, really there is no other theme for this year than to talk about leadership in turbulent times. And this was prior to the terrorist attack on Brussels. So as we were standing there and looking at what had just occurred, Yard and I looked at this and said, isn't it prescient that we came up with this theme and then it's really right in our front yard? And Brussels is an interesting place in the sense that it is not just the global home for the EU but it is a global home where so many different factions if it's business politics other NGOs who come together in Brussels and so it is really like standing in the front yard of a global home and you see all the joys the problems the challenges the opportunities that are in front of us, and it's exhilarating, and it's exciting, and it's also very terrifying. But Brussels offers us this glimpse into, and perhaps more of an insider's view, of the importance of leadership in turbulent times, because every day in this world of ours, we are seeing the changing political realities that are unfolding in countries around the globe. And we really struggle to ensure that the abnormal does not become normal to us. And the violence that we are seeing and the terrorism um, that continues to fester and grow, it challenges us not to become numb to the relentless violence that gets placed in front of us. So we do indeed live in turbulent times. And it's also a time of stark contrast um, and accelerated evolution. I think there are individuals who just want to hold on to the familiar and even return to the past. But really what's needed in leadership in turbulent times is a fundamental change of how we go forward together in this increasingly interdependent global world of ours there is no going back right so we are navigating uncertain waters of migration and mobility for example or the global trends in finance and big data or technology technology job loss and job growth and this huge decline in respect and trust for our governments but they're all intertwined together, you know, the political, the social, the environmental, the technological, and the economic. It's really like this huge ball of string, and when you start to pull at it, it unravels very quickly. Right. So, as we think about this time, and we think about turbulent times, there's this sense of what we need to do and what we are witnessing Um, in this time for politics, for our governments, for business. Um, And one of the things I think we are witnessing is a new role for governments. really Mm. a way of thinking about globalization differently and really to think about leadership today differently.
1: You know, that's the thing that struck me most and also gives me hope, The theme seemed perfect for everything I read. Almost every article I see now talks about turbulent times. And yet I walk away often with, okay, we all agree it's turbulent, but I don't see necessarily a what can I do or what solutions or even what are just some steps. And I walked, you know, through the series of presentations and conversations, there was a lot of concrete action that we can take that makes this now a hopeful time, even in the midst of what can feel chaotic, there are things that we as leaders can do ourselves and within our organizations that are concrete actions that can make the world better because of us.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that's right. And one of the interesting things that I think we discover is when we bring together in this space of the ILA, right, in this um, location, wherever it is, and in,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, right now, fortuitously, we are right in the heart of Europe, in Brussels, and the number of individuals from different countries and different cultures and different disciplines and different sectors, all coming together to talk about what we can do and what it... And not only what we can do, but what it means, right? Discussing Mm -hmm. what we mean by leadership in turbulent times is as important for us to do as it is to talk about what we are doing about it and what are the steps that we can take. I think all three of those are important. We have to grapple with the concepts and what's happening and put it in the context of leadership from many different perspectives and also then explore what that means, right? And how we can do our part if it's on a small scale or if it's on a larger scale. Now, I I talk about the ILA being this global association, and we are. I think as we shared with us today, there are over a 1,000 of our members who are here from 53 different countries. And everybody brings a different perspective. And the ILA members themselves we discovered over 54% of them work in two or more countries. But what we also hear is a person who says, I work with a program, a small program that is focused on leadership development in my local community, right? It's a grassroots leadership development program Or I work with students in our university on student development. So I don't work on a global level, right? They'll say, so I don't need to have as global perspective. But today that is simply not true, right? In this hyper-connected world, no matter where you live or no matter what you do, you really need to think about things from a global perspective because it helps us to see and make the connections and how an individual Mm -hmm. in the community connects to the organization and really how organizations connect with other organizations. So we really do have to think about scalability. And there was one, there were many, many sessions, the ILA. One that I, I saw that was so intriguing was talking about how do you make change in a community that can have broad implications. And one individual who had the idea through his business of bringing Energy, solar energy to a community that did not have any type of of electricity. But he did it through bringing together the community leaders and finding out what their need was and then connecting them with the right source and through the empowerment of their own leadership within the community to be able to actualize that work. So that's a concrete example of something that happens from somebody outside of the community, but working in partnership with the community's leadership to create something that benefits that community and beyond.
1: You know, I'm working with an organization now, it's an international affairs group, and they talk about their mission being improving whatever the thing is, but in our local communities, in our broader communities, nationally and in our world. So improving leadership, it seems like happens at all of those levels. And even if a listener or a participant in the ILA is working in a small community, even in a small rural community, it doesn't mean that the processes they're using haven't been pulled from and tested globally, and that their constituents don't, in fact, end up moving out into the the global community in pretty short order. We're planting seeds, and some of those seeds blow with the wind in our actions and in where we as humans now work, especially being interconnected on the internet. I can be working from my home and interacting with people, and do, from around the world.
2: Exactly. I even look at the ILA staff, and they're of course not all in the central office. Some of them work from um, home offices. They all connect with each other, but they spend the majority of their day interacting with individual members around the globe, right? So it is a different way of working than what we did even 10 years ago. So it, it truly is a different world through our hyperconnectivity and that hyperconnectivity also creates this increased evolution it seems like time is going by faster and faster quicker and i i've used the description in the past where you used to be able to see a storm coming in over a lake mm-hmm. but now it's this continual change that you can't even truly prepare anymore in between, right? It's not this thoughtful, methodical, but it's reacting Mm -hmm. um, to what's in front of us. But that makes it all the more important in our leadership to find ways to step back and reflect, which I think was also one of the things that came through in the conversations in the concurrent sessions were in this very turbulent world of ours, in times of turbulence, you also need to find those times to reflect and instead of dealing with the individual incident all the time in leadership to look at the patterns that are emerging and how do you then go from looking at patterns and integration and then operation and follow-up.
1: You know as you're speaking I think of one of the comments Margaret Heffernan made talking about the role of executives I think she may have even used the term patterns, but identifying those disruptors that are coming from everywhere. And so right now our role as, as especially senior leaders is to be continually looking for those patterns and helping position ourselves in our organizations. And I agree that takes a lot of reflection time just to make meaning of what am I seeing and really solid thinking Because six people may see these patterns and come away with six different interpretations. So then the other piece is how do we as leaders hear people with different points of view and integrate that as well as just a core competency now?
2: Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's exactly right, Marina. You brought up another very important capacity in today's turbulent world, and that's around meaning-making. How do we make meaning out of the patterns that are emerging? And how do we create meaning that we can all collectively move forward on, Um, which is another interesting piece that came out of all the conversations, and that's around that sense of purpose and being very purposeful as an organization and also being purpose-driven as an individual. So it was another Interesting conversation and some of the research that's being done in that area um, was talked about throughout the uh, conference, which is really quite uh, intriguing because I'm not sure that was there many years ago, but it truly was one of those areas of conversation that surfaced continually in different ways.
1: Yeah, you know, that was when I wrote up the themes I took away, that was one of my first takeaways. And part of it's speaking of meaning making, because that's a foundational part to my work. So I when I hear so many people talk about this sense of purpose, that it resonates with me probably louder than it would with other people. But it seemed like almost everyone talked in some way or another about being clear about who you are as an individual and organizational purpose. And for me this year, doing the interviews, that came across more clearly than it did last year?
2: Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. And one of the other things that um, I think is emerging through Leadership in Turbulent Times, and I think one of the things we need to talk about, which also emerged from the conference, and we all knew, but it had to be articulated, was that we are in this, we are, all, we are now in this state of turbulence, right? It's not going away. Mm-hmm. So how do we really um, work in a time that is going to be complex? How are we going to look at leadership in turbulent times? Because it's not going away, right? We talked about in the 20th century, we had, for example, increasingly complicated problems. But today we have increasingly complex systems, global systems, that really amplify problems. Leading is exponentially more difficult and more challenging than leading was in the past. And so really what we're doing is how do we look at how do we, through the scholarship, through the practice, through the teaching, find ways of understanding leadership and its meaning for the 21st century and moving forward? Right, So we're probably at one of those interesting points in time, a fulcrum point in history, um, where everything that was is tripping over everything that is. And how do we, in turn, make sense of it, the meaning-making that we need to do, um, but also how do we collectively come together and through our collective thinking, our collective debate, our collective critical thinking, which I think is so Mm -hmm. important, come up with the evidence-based research and the evidence-based best practices that really help us moving forward. And I use the term best practice reluctantly because I think whenever Mm -hmm. we talk about a best practice, we are basically putting ourselves in the past. And so we have to keep thinking of how we look at moving forward in the ways that help us to not only survive in these complex, turbulent times, but to thrive and to adapt and to influence. And I think those are some of the interesting themes that came out of Some of the sessions that were surfaced, that surfaced as well, or that were talked about and presented at the conference.
1: That's a perfect place to break because what I hear you talking about is adaptive as well. So let's come back and talk about the idea of adaptive problems or an adaptive environment and additional themes that we saw from this conference. So you'll be right back with Maureen Metcalf and Cynthia Cherry from the International Leadership Conference in Brussels.
0: Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving, Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Cynthia Cherry. We are doing the wrap-up of the International Leadership Association conference in Brussels Belgium. Cynthia is the CEO and president of the International Leadership Association and we wanted to share with you both how Cynthia and the planning team came to the choice of leadership in turbulent times and then some of our themes. So before break we talked about adaptive leadership and so can you share with our listeners the definition of adaptive leadership and why that is so prescient for this specific topic.
2: One of the things that I saw coming forward in our conversations which I'd like to talk a bit about is we talked about making connections and the importance of that. And one of the things that I heard coming through from the conference was this whole importance of having a global mindset that really helps you to see and make the connections. And because in today's leadership, one of the things that we've learned is that it really requires an understanding of multiple and diverse cultures and engaging and influencing those different from ourselves and searching out diverse perspectives. That's one of the things that Ronnie Heifetz talks about too with the problems, right? And Richard Bolden talks about this as well, and Mansour Yavadan does. But as they say, we may be more connected, but that does not mean we are well-versed in the diversity of the world. And Tom Friedman would say the world may be flat in terms of technology and interconnectivity, but it's still quite bumpy.
1: I like that, it's bumpy.
2: yeah, bumpy, in the sense that people in different organizations, in different areas of the world work in very different ways. So some of the work that's being done out there is we need to continue to find ways to learn, right? We all know and we hear the concept of continual learning. Um, but as we think about leadership, how do we expand our understanding of others and also influence individuals and organizations that are unlike ourselves, that are different from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that sounds easy, but it's really difficult to do, and it's also very uncomfortable. But I think we also look at, with discomfort often comes a new awareness and new learnings, right? new ways of thinking, new ways of doing, um, and new ways of being who we are.
1: And that, Cynthia, is what I was trying to point to and I don't know that I have the definition of adaptive leadership right, but with these difficult problems, I need to actually change who I am. I mean, I'm still going to be Maureen, but the way I think about things and the way I relate to things should be stretching in response to to the challenges I'm dealing with so that I can be more competent at addressing them.
2: So true, and I I think of our importance of being uncomfortable at times, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of Robert Quinn's book around deep change, and he has a wonderful quote in there that is "walking naked into the land of uncertainty."
1: Boy, there were times on our trip that I felt naked. That <laughs> I
2: I've many, many times.
1: You know the clothing mishaps I had, and the leaving stuff on trains, and just out of our comfort zones. Our brains are trying to navigate so many moving pieces that I think we don't recognize how, how complicated it is. and we were just in Europe. we weren't in there were places much more
2: complicated. Exactly. So we get out of our neural mind ruts
1: mm-hmm.
2: When we get into areas that were uncomfortable, we are more aware of difference aware of the unknown and aware of our being in the unknown. And that is probably a personal description of what it's like to live in this time of uncertainty, right? And yet it's so important for all of us to put ourselves into those uncomfortable uh, places so that we Mm -hmm. can really learn from each other and learn more about ourselves. And often with leadership there is that sense of who we are and how do we relate and interrelate with our others Mm -hmm. and our context and how do we influence change which is part of what as we're looking at in times of turbulence how do we influence change individuals in areas that we are an unknown or that are very different than who we are, right? So there's a great sense of being in tuned to self and in tune to the other.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, just as I'm listening, I'm thinking we are actually changing our brains when we're interacting and that ability to be present to everything that's going on in me, including my Total discomfort in some situations and be present with the other person at the same time and their fears and concerns and hopes and dreams and discomfort that takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. it's really a different way of walking through the world than just get it done and tell me when you know that I won't take no for an answer and all those kind of things we've heard over the course of our careers
2: and I think one of the themes that you so adeptly pulled out, Maureen, was this sense of our own individual purpose and self-awareness, right? So mm-hmm. that we really need to have a good sense of self and continually understand who we are as we work on this important work of, of leadership. And that came through in a number of... The conversations. I think Urean talked about this in his work with Shell, mm-hmm. in the sense of self-awareness, and I think Margaret Heffernan talked about this and the importance of being centered and knowing who you are. And it came up in a number of other conversations that were taking place in the in the conference. As well, so it was. It was an interesting piece, George Papadreou, mm-hmm. about the importance of this, right, in making those difficult decisions. Um, talk about somebody who reflected the work of Ronnie Heifetz, as Ronnie talked about, you know, talks about wicked problems, and really George having to make some really difficult decisions. What I would describe as um, almost selfless leadership where he had to make decisions for the long term that he knew were going to be painful in the short term.
1: For a lot of people.
2: For, yeah, for country of Greece. And he knew he, he himself would lose out. But again, it was, what's the right thing to do with the information you have at hand for the future? You have to be centered to make those type of difficult decisions
1: as you're speaking one of the other things that came up and i know uh, george Papandreou mentioned it as did almost everyone else i talked to this idea especially talking about the eu this idea of experimentation i think margaret talked about it it was just a along with self-awareness If I am aware of who I am and my principles, I am also aware that I am making decisions on a regular basis with insufficient information and it all feels like I am more of a scientist than command and control or what we would have thought traditionally as a leader. I'm doing the best with what I have and I know it's going to be, I hope it's directionally correct. But I'm just thinking of George specifically, and as he was making decisions for an entire country across a broad range of topics on every day, and they're all interconnected, that at some point you don't have the dial calibrated exactly right, and you have to look for feedback and readjust as you go along. Mm
2: -hmm. It is that readjustment and continually to make the decisions with what you know, And I think one of the other things that came up, which is interesting, was also acknowledging that what we know and what we don't know and that we're not going to know at all. And then with that comes some humility, right, of understanding that you yourself cannot know at all. And so the individual leader really needs to rely on the broader context of others, and that in mm-hmm. turn encompasses leadership, right? Mm-hmm. It's that multiple leaders, the followers, the context, but it's looking at it holistically, not individualistically.
1: I think that's that's a really important point, especially when we, th- you know, we talk about humility, we talk about we don't have the answers, and yet many of our followers really want to think we have the answers. They want to trust us and they need to trust us. And so kind of the whole polarity thing that on one end of the poll is I don't know what I'm doing the other end of the poll is I can tell you exactly what it is with a hundred percent confidence and we're doing the dance in the middle of making the best decisions we can instilling confidence in people that we know what we're doing and yet peddling as fast as we can often to to build coalitions and learn from the smartest people we know and make meaning of what's happening and gather data and course correct. The acknowledgement that that's what leadership is evolving into and away from a time where I could gather data and make a plan and follow the plan and tell people what to do. Those days are long past.
2: But interestingly, here's some of the paradoxes of leadership, right? We In times of uncertainty and in times of crisis we really want to rely on that one person and we want to believe that there was one person who can lead us through this and in times of crisis you do need a little more of that top-down but there is this paradox even in today's society and even in governments and not just government business we look to that person Who is supposedly sitting at the top of the triangle or at the top Mm -hmm. of the organization as the person who knows all and in today's world you can't know all you have to rely on so many others but it is one of the paradoxes we still want to believe in it we still (laughs) want to romanticize leaders we want to have leaders we still some although we know this is not true there's a part of us It still wants to have the leader who knows all and the leader who has no character flaws. Yeah. And that's just not...
1: Not true. (laughs) And Cynthia, we need to wrap up. I would love to continue talking and sharing this conversation, but we are at the end of our time. Do you have a few words of wrap-up, including how people can learn more about the ILA for listeners who are interested in joining?
2: Of course. I think one of the things is we talked about the ILA in this conference, when I opened the global conference with the theme of Leadership in Turbulent Times, I also framed the conference in the hopes that everybody at the conference would listen to each other, that they would step into the uncomfortable, right? That they would learn from each other, that they would listen to their own deep song, which was referring to... Michael Jones' music, which was composed at the ILA and in where he had talked about music makes us rich and full, and in times of turbulence and sudden change, we need to listen to our own deep song, which goes back to that self-reflection that you and I were talking about, Maureen. And then I framed my final statement as to become profoundly more resilient in our leadership, and as leaders in these present and future turbulent times. So that framed our conference, and I think what you and I and the podcast that people listen to really, in that framing, they all then talk about leadership in turbulent times in some really wonderfully deep and beautiful ways, and some ways that we can all grapple with this difficult, difficult subject of leadership for today and for the future. So in terms of the ILA, if you are anybody who is involved in thinking about leadership, teaching leadership, researching leadership, studying leadership, then the International Leadership Association is a home for you to do this work and to learn and be with others who are doing like work and work that... Is different that could expand your own thinking and practice around leadership. Our website is ila-net.org and I welcome any questions or feedback or thoughts from anybody who is interested in continuing this very, very important work of leadership.
1: Cynthia, thank you for all you do to make this possible for the entire organization and for allowing me to be involved so that we can share this wonderful thinking with listeners well beyond the ILA, hopefully in classrooms and across the world, for people who may not even ever take a leadership role, but want to know more about leadership and followership. So thank you for making this possible.
2: And thank you for your work in expanding the message and getting it out to so many people. Thank you for
1: joining us live in Brussels at the International Leadership Association Conference. In these turbulent times, investing time and energy to refresh and evolve your leadership skills becomes a critical success driver. I challenge each of us to consider the impact effective leadership makes on our lives and on the lives of the organizations we lead and the people that those organizations impact. Imagine what each of us can do As we work together to solve these big problems that impact us, together we can create a world that is more peaceful, more just, and creates more opportunities for everyone to thrive.